Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. On today's episode of Dear Rochester, Retire Well, we have a very special guest with us, Jim Harshaw Jr. Now, Jim is not the typical financial guest, but I think what Jim does and his scene relates very closely to financial planning, and we'll get into that. Um, Jim really helps his clients focus on four main areas of their lives. Jim is a coach, by the way. We'll talk about that as well, with wealth being one of those four areas. So hang in there and we'll get to that. And we'll also get into what Jim has seen and heard from his successful clients. So first, a little bit about Jim. Jim Harshaw Jr. is an NCAA Division I All-American wrestler, former NCAA Division I head coach, internationally recognized TEDx speaker, personal performance coach, coach, and host of the Success Through Failure podcast, which by the way, has over 300 episodes as of this time. So Jim knows what he's doing on a podcast. Having spent his life surrounded by Olympians and millionaires, Jim has discovered the systems and framework used for world-class performance. He's impacted hundreds of thousands of lives across the world by helping clients and audiences increase resilience, maximize potential, and build high-performing teams. Jim's clients include CEOs, entrepreneurs, and leaders from Fortune 500 companies, as well as current and former athletes from the NFL, UFC, NCAA, and the Olympics. Jim, that's a great resume. Um, it sounds like you're very famous. Did you <laughs> put some you... fake stuff in there? I don't, I don't think I, I don't think have that's real. So you must be a busy guy. <laughs> Thanks for the time today. Um, how are you doing? Good, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, again, do you need a warm up? I know this is your first podcast. Yeah. How do I look? I, I got a powder my nose. Yeah, this look- video, I think, am I doing all right here? <laughs> well, let's start with this because uh, you're a grizzled veteran and you know what you're doing, right? So can you tell our listeners, this is, should be an easy question for you, right? What is a coach? Like, what do you do when you're a yeah. coach? Yeah. Well, we, we know that world-class performers in sports need a coach, right? They need somebody who, you know, calls them out, pushes them, creates a plan for them, creates structure for them, helps them see their blind spots, pushes, you know, believes in them. I've always said that, you know, we all need a person in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe that we can attain. And I had that when I was wrestling. Right. I had, I had coaches who pushed me, um, you know, taught me sometimes they, they would pick me up and dust me off. Other times they'd give me a kick in the rear end when I needed that too. And, you know, the stakes are so much higher now in the real world, right. You know, especially if you have, you know, a spouse and a job and kids and all, you know, the stakes are higher and we need coaches for our lives as well. And I, I'm blessed to, to coach amazing people. I got neurosurgeons and CEOs and professional athletes and people who are way smarter than me, way more capable than me at what they do. But I, 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 I pull those, the things out of them that they know that they need to do. We help, I help them create a plan. I help them find clarity. I help them stay focused. I help them find balanced success. Uh, but that all starts with a framework and a 
sort of system that we go through that starts with understanding what do I value? Like what, what is really important to me? And then we create goals that align with those values. And then I help them create what I call the environment of excellence, right? Who are the people that you're surrounding yourself with? What's the media that you're allowing into your life? And then the fourth and final step is like creating a plan to follow through. Because it's nice, everybody sets goals, right? Everybody at least is, knows you're supposed to. But like, what happens when you know the car breaks down or the kids get sick or the, a global pandemic happens? Like, do you have a plan to follow through? And that's what I do. I help people really get that clarity and, and maximize their potential in the world. That is a heck of an answer. I could ask you so much about that, but let's even taking a step back from that. How did you become a coach? How does somebody get into that, or how, how did you get into it? Yeah, gosh, I'll try. I'll try to keep this as brief as possible because it's it's a um, it's a it's a it was a powerful sort of story that that brought me to this point. I was a blue collar kid like you. You know, I, I grew up in a blue collar home. Dad was a construction worker. Mom was a secretary, and I was the first person in my family to go to college. But you know, in, in high school, I, I never achieved any of my dreams. Like not even close. My goal is to win a Pennsylvania State Wrestling Championship. Didn't even get on the podium. And luckily, I had some some coaches who saw some potential in me and I got recruited, but you know, I was just full of self-doubt, low self-confidence, didn't really have much of a vision for my life. And then I ended up getting recruited to university of Virginia. I showed up. I'm like, I look around, everybody there is smarter than me. They have more money than me. They're better looking than me. And, uh, you know, so it just like reinforced all these feelings of, of self-doubt and just lack of confidence and not really knowing that I, I belonged. And then you fast forward five years and I have two degrees, including a master's degree from the number one public university in the country. I'm a three-time ACC champion. I'm a NCAA division one, all American. I'm ranked eighth on the Olympic ladder and I'm invited to live and train at the Olympic training center. It was this complete transformation that happens. And this set me off on a trajectory of success where I became the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country at one point. Um, I, and then I got out of coaching. I started my first business and that was a success. I sold that and I started my next business and raised some angel capital, built a software company. And a couple of years later, ended up with a failed business, dead up to our eyeballs, you know, struggling relationship with my wife, not spending enough time with my kids. And I was in the worst physical shape of my life. And I'm at this point where I'm like broke and broken. Right. And, and all these feelings of like self-doubt start coming back and like, okay, you know, how do I get out of this? What's next for me? Um, what do I even focus on? I feel like everything's a priority at this point in my life. Cause now I have kids and multiple mortgages and, and all, you know, like life was overwhelming and totally out of balance. And I look back on my life when I was competing. And I mean, this literally, it was a moment. I was like laying in bed one night, staring at the ceiling as I was closing down my business. And I'm, I'm thinking like, what was in place in my life when I was competing, when I was operating at my, my maximum potential, when I was doing really hard things and I was being successful. And then I was actually resilient, you know, bouncing back from failure and finding success through failure, which is the name of my podcast. And I realized there were these these four steps, right? These four steps that I essentially went through earlier. It's like, number one, I, I knew what I valued. Number two, I had goals that aligned with those values not goals that aligned with anything else, right? People in the, real, in the world today, like they align their goals based on what's parked in their neighbor's driveway or what they see on social media or what the mass media tells them that they should want. But when I was competing, I had goals that aligned with Jim's values. And then the third step was that environment of excellence. I was surrounded by coaches who held me to a high standard. I had teammates. I was accountable to them. They were accountable to me. I had nutritionists. I had strength and conditioning coaches. I had athletic trainers. I had all these people around me 
that were supporting me in my mission. And then the fourth and final piece is, you know, I had a plan to follow through. Like, for example, if, if I lost a wrestling match on Saturday, coach is like, uh, Hey Jim, uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning. It's a team left eight o'clock be there. You know, whether I liked it or not, I had to follow through. I had to be there. And, and I, I realized that this, this framework just might work in the real world for me. So I, long story short, I put this framework back in place in my life and it changed everything. I mean, it tripled my income, healed my relationship with my wife, started spending more time with my kids, got fit and healthy again. And, and I realized like, this is, this is an amazing framework for me. Like, but I think maybe this is just a gym thing. Right. And then I started looking back on my life and realizing, okay, these, these people who I've surrounded have been surrounded by most of my life. These are amazing. I have multiple friends who've gone on to win Olympic medals and, you know, I got to spend a lot of time years around millionaires through a job that I had years ago. And I realized like, this is a framework for like, for world-class performance. And then I start the podcast and I'm interviewing Navy SEALs and New York Times bestselling authors and, and you know, world-class performers, astronauts, you name it. I'm like, wait a second, this is a framework for success that can work for anybody. And, you know, so I put my, my ma- I have a master's degree in teaching. So I put that to use and, and built a curriculum, a coaching curriculum around this and uh, launched it to the world with amazing feedback, far better than I even imagined it would be. And uh, that's now my mission in the world is to, to coach people, is to help people, is to spread this, this, this framework to as many people who, who will listen. I love it. You're uh, and you mentioned at the beginning, is this really me? You read your bio now, right? You would have never thought <laughs> back then, Yeah. unless you yeah. set those goals. Right. And then, and then follow through. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned relationships, self health, wealth. We don't have to get into what each of those mean, but I want to focus on the wealth part because this is a financial planning podcast, I guess, but When somebody sets a goal, one of the things that I know you do is you can't just say, I'm totally making this up. I want to make $3 million a year or $1 million a year. I I just want to make a hundred thousand. You encourage steps to take to get there, which parallels directly to financial planning and, and goals and all of the other things that we'll get into in a little bit. But what is the psychology behind setting smaller goals or how do you help your clients do that? And what are they called? Yeah. So I'll I'll give you a two-part response. Number one, the relationships, self-health and wealth, like the clients, people who I work with, they want balanced success, right? They, they, they're going through the world. They want to crush it at work. They want to crush it at home as a a, a father or a mother, spouse, et cetera. They want to be an amazing parent. uh, And they also want to be healthy and fit, but they feel like they're always shortchanging one or the other. Like they're just out of balance, but this is why we have to set these goals in multiple areas. So those are the four areas where we set goals. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest, when I was an athlete, I didn't have to do that. I, I had single-minded focus mm-hmm. and that doesn't work in the real world. The, there's too many, too many, you know, stakeholders at this point to, to really have that single-minded focus. And you see some people have that single-minded focus. Like uh, I know some people in the coaching world, uh, wrestling coaches who they have that single-minded focus still, and they're on their third marriage. And, and, you know, that's, that's a, a choice that, that they've, they've made. Mm-hmm. And, um, but most of the people I work with, they want, they want to have healthy relationships. They want to be fit and healthy, and they also want to crush it and make a ton of money. And, and so that's sort of step one is like understanding, like, you know, you want to have balanced success. Like you don't want to get to the end of your life and be like, man, I made a ton of money, but boy, I, I mowed down people in my way, right? I, I mowed down relationships. Uh, I wasn't healthy and fit. It never felt good. I was always unhealthy. Like nobody wants that, right? We want balanced 
success. And so that's, that's part one of the two part answer. And then part two is like, okay, so when you identify this goal, right, the, the hundred thousand dollars a year million or 3 million, whatever the goal is, right. That if we're going to look at the financial goal, you have that goal, but you also have to, you have to set a deadline. All right. So, you know, the, the, using the smart goals acronym, which I didn't invent, you know, a lot of your listeners probably heard of that, like specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound, like, you know, getting clear on, on what that goal is and being really specific. And I have a worksheet that, that my, my clients fill out and we go through all those steps. And, and you have to do that by the way, because I, I don't want like for the listeners sitting there right now going, okay, this all clicks. This makes sense. I don't want you to just, you know, at the end of this podcast episode go, okay, that's a good idea. Let me go start checking email again. Like, no, like create a plan, block some time off to actually do the work that we're talking about. So when you identify that goal, it's like, okay, a million dollars a year. Okay, we'll pick that number. And you go, okay, I want to make a million dollars a year by uh, December 31st, 2022. Okay, so whatever that goal is, whatever that number is, you pick a date out into the future. Usually we aim for like six to 18 months, right? If it's any shorter than that, it's probably a to-do list item or just something that goes on your calendar or something like that. But you want to pick a longer term goal. And you can't, you can't do that today though. You can't go, okay, I'm going to make a million dollars like this month. Well, no, like there's, there's, there's a process that goes to, to getting there and it's easy to just kick the can down the road and not really know what to do because that goal is so far away, but you have to identify again, specifically sit down and identify like, what are the steps that I can take in the month of September, the month of October, the month of November, like, remember, like what do I do? Like, and, and that's what I do with my clients. We sit down once a month and we say, okay, what, what are you going to do in the area of your relationship goal this year or this month? You know, what are you going to do in your wealth goal this, like wh- this month? Like what is concrete? What is actionable? What can go from this, this idea, this goal, this long-term goal to your to-do list or onto your calendar? something you can block time off for this month. And when you make those concrete goals, those concrete, what we call micro goals, it becomes actionable. And, and now you can, you can create momentum and you, and, and just like, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators or OKRs, objectives and key results, whatever you want to call them. Like you have to track these metrics, these benchmarks along the way. And now after you set micro goals for three months or six months or a year, you can look back and go, okay, I succeeded at that one. I succeeded at that one. Oh, I failed there. Uh, I had partial success on this one. Like you have these, these metrics, these benchmarks to look back upon and see like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making progress because like you and I have kids, Dave, and we don't see our kids growing every day, right? We just, you know, we just, they, they look the same today as they did yesterday, but over the course of a year, like we, I don't know about you, but we measure our kids every year on the wall, we have, you know, right, right on the wall. And, and you see the change year to year and you go, holy mackerel, you grew two inches, you grew three. And like, I get teenage boys right now, they're growing like, you know, like an inch a day. And like, you know, you see, but you see that growth over time. And if you can track that and measure that, then you can see and feel the progress. And a lot of times we just don't even recognize the progress we're making. So we kind of give up. It's like, imagine this, this is kind of the easier sort of analogy for people to understand. It's like, okay, I want to lose, say you want to lose 20 pounds and let's say you don't weigh yourself at the beginning and you don't weigh yourself on any regularity. And then you finally step on the scale and you go, gosh, uh, I don't know if I've lost weight. Maybe you lost weight. Maybe you didn't, you don't know. So you fall off, you fall off the wagon. You, you, you stop pursuing that goal. 
you know, people complain and come to me because they're like, ah, Jim, I know what I got to accomplish, but I just can't find a consistency. I can't stay focused. Well, you have to have these benchmarks and these metrics along the way. And those are, those are the micro goals that we set. Yeah. I love it. And this, again, it ties perfectly into financial planning because you're setting goals and we're getting there. So a lot of times when we meet with someone for retirement planning, for example, we might determine they need, I'm totally making this up $2 million. And sometimes they're starting with zero, right? You can't just go from zero to 2 million saved. We need to come up with a plan and chip away at it and hold people accountable to that. And our clients always love when we hold them really accountable, Jim. I know how that feels. So of course, um, yeah. So but that 2 million feels overwhelming. If you're starting from zero right, or starting right. from somewhere, a much smaller number, it's like, oh my gosh, that's overwhelming. I can't, I can't do that. Well, let me let me go be busy doing something else. But no, if you, you're, you're creating those micro goals mm-hmm. and things that are actionable, okay, if we get from here to there, like that's a win, like we're getting there. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I just talked with somebody, actually one of our clients, grown kids, grown children, and they started an account two years ago, right? Just hundred bucks a month into a Roth IRA. And they're like, well, and you're seeing how the market's taking off and things are going very well as of right now. And the guy's got like 3000 bucks in there. He's like, I think he thought he would have had 50,000 by now or a hundred thousand based on his buddies buying Bitcoin or something, but just stick to the plan, keep chipping away and follow our goals and and you'll get there. Right. Yeah. And that's how it works in sports. I mean, we see that, like, again, I use the sports analogy because that's, that's my background. I know you have a Mm -hmm. background in sports and it's just, you know, when, when we see that in sports, we go, oh, okay, that's normal there. Uh, but no, it's like, that's how we, we should perform too. Like we should have those, those shorter goals, like, you know, in, in football, right. The, you know, with the NFL, there's an off season, there's a, there's a, there's the early season with the, the preseason workouts, then there's the preseason and then there's the in season. And then there's the, the postseason. like there's a process, there's a plan and, and you have to follow that plan. You can't go straight from off season to postseason, like, no, there, there are steps in between and there's training that you have to do. And you go, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm weak here. I'm strong there. I've, I've got to work on this weakness. I've got to, you know, leverage this strength and you create this plan and you have to execute it over time. Like that's how success happens. Yeah. And it's, it's overnight, right? Overnight. Success yeah, story of course. Yeah, exactly. 25 years. So. Click your heels three times and it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pulled a quote off your website. This might, uh, this won't throw you off again. You've done 300 something podcasts, but yeah. I wanted to tie this back into uh, finances again. And, and at least the wealth part of your, the four, four parts, right? So failure this is what you said on the website. Failure, struggle, and setbacks are not only an inevitable part of life, but a necessary step on the path to success. So when I hear that, it's like, how does that tie into failing financially? And I can't wait to hear your answer on this. Most people are like unbelievably afraid of making a bad move, right? Or quitting this job or taking the leap or losing some money or losing it all. Very afraid. That's this one of the scariest things. So how have you seen, or how maybe you can answer this, how can we fail within the wealth category and possibly even turn that into a positive experience? Because yeah. you're so afraid of that. So let's start with this. So the the book by Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, landmark book for any listeners who haven't read that. It's like a must read if you want to grow personally and professionally. But uh, he says, you have to start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. Okay. So what is that end? You know, 2 million in the bank, whatever that number is, right? You start with the end in mind and then you create that plan. Like you reverse engineer it and you you, you create that plan. You create the, the micro goals. And that is the process. Okay. And, and 
and I'm going to get around to your answer here okay. to, to directly answering this in a second. Like when I was competing as the wrestler, I was always afraid of failure for so many, for essentially 16 of my 17 years as a competitor, I was afraid of failure. Um, and I should say actually early on in college, I wasn't because I didn't have a bullseye on my back and I started finding some success and I started getting the bullseye and now I'm ranked. And like, I started getting like anxiety and, and not performing at my maximum potential. It wasn't until my senior year when it, when it was the night before my, my very first competition, my senior year, when I was, I realized this was probably going to be my last year competing. And I had still never achieved a meaningful goal that I had set for myself. And it hit me like, Jim, this is, this is your last shot. You've given this sport everything you possibly could. You can't give more. You can't do more. I trained year round, did everything I possibly could. You couldn't run more miles or lift more weights or watch more film. You couldn't possibly do more. There's just not enough hours in the day. And I said, and I still haven't achieved any of my goal, my goals or dreams. And in that moment, I let go. I let go of the outcome. And I said, I've got to only focus on the process because that's what I control. I don't control the outcome. I control the process. And if I just do that, then, you know, win or lose at the end of the day, I, 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 I will be able to put my head on the pillow at night knowing I gave it my best and I did everything that I could. And when I let go of the outcome and focused on the process, that's when success happened. And I knew that, that the process, I mean, failure happens, right? I interviewed a world champion wrestler, Jaden Cox. He told me, he said, Jim, when I finally realized that failure actually is an option, that's when I started performing my best. Failure is an option. I just interviewed um, Devin Harris. He's uh, uh, from the Jamaican bobsled team, the original, one of the original guys from the Jamaican bobsled team. I mean, cool runnings, the movie, everything. Like, mm -hmm. this is the guy. Amazing, amazing individual. He's like a captain in the, was a captain in the army. Now he's an international best-selling, uh, best uh, international author. But he said, failure is not an option, but failure is inevitable right? Failure is not an option. You have to operate with that idea, but failure is inevitable. So getting back to your question of like finances, like you can't control the markets. You can't control so many things outside of you. All you control is the process. So you, you start with the end in mind, you create a process, and then you implement that plan. And you, you know, with the idea of the micro goals, you can tweak that plan month to month as necessary, Right. The markets change or you, you need to shift from, from stocks to bonds or like whatever, whatever mm -hmm. adjustments need to be made. Like, yeah, you can make those adjustments when you meet with your financial advisor uh, quarterly or twice a year, wh whatever the time uh, amount of time is, but, and then you adjust based on the success, based on the failure. But listen, failure is going to happen. The markets are not going to be a perfect straight line up into the right. We, we mm -hmm. know that we, we want that. We get emotional whenever we see it going down, but go back a hundred years in the market. You see it like this is the process. This is how it goes. So we have to be, we have to be okay with, with the, with the downs as well as the ups. Yeah. So that, that's great advice. Also, it, we can get into market stuff, which I, I won't do too much, but what if I have a lot of clients that just want to potentially leave their job and start a new business or, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about failure. They are mm. scared to take that leap financially because 
maybe they built some savings, maybe they haven't, but they know that they want to do this business. They're not pursuing their passion right now. They're not working where they want to be their career. And you know this because I think you've done it um, or at least have had clients that have done this, but how do you get people over the fear of that being just financially devastating? So if I have a teacher that's listening to this or a school principal or a nurse or a superintendent or just a regular employee at a company that's like, you know what, I want to do my own thing, but I'm afraid financially that I can't pull it off. And what if I go broke and I'm, my family's relying on me? How do you get mm-hmm. people over that? Yeah. So a couple things, like I'm obviously not going to sit here on the podcast and say, you know what, go for it. Quit your job. You're good. <laughs> go for it. Right. Yeah. Take the leap. Um, it's certainly everybody's in a different financial situation, right? But I'm going to give you a foundation here. Here's how you make this decision. Like everybody's in a different financial situation. Maybe you you can you know quit your job and your spouse can carry the load for a while, or you have some savings, or maybe it's a job or, or, or a business that's already established or something like that, right? So everybody's scenario situation is different. So so this this concept that you hear, I mean, you hear some of these these gurus on social media saying, "Quit your job, go for it, go all in," you know, "Screw failure, go for it." If you believe you'll achieve like like yeah that's good you got to have some of that you also have to mitigate mitigate the risk and how do you do that well you start with the same exact process that we talked about earlier okay what do i really value like what's my why what is behind me wanting to take this next step make this career transition what is behind that right identify really what's driving you because when you when you do that and then you tether these goals financial or otherwise to these values, like creating, like I said, these aligned goals, you become much more resilient. You become much more resourceful and you're going to find success. You're going to create success. And, and it's a lot harder to do it if you haven't done this work. But then, then the other piece is this, who's in your environment? What does what your environment of excellence look like? Like, who are the people? Like, who's your team? You're like, okay, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I've got this business idea. I want to quit my job. Like, who's on your team? Do you, do you have a financial advisor who's going to sit down and go, okay, well, this is, this is the revenue you have from this side hustle right now. Um, here's the savings you have. Uh, this is your runway. You can make these tweaks, these adjustments. And uh, I think, you know, let's hit these benchmarks of savings in the bank. And then you can do it. Like who's on your team guiding you, helping you? Um, who else is on your team? Like, have you gone to the small business development center and sat down with a business coach and, and mapped out a business plan? Like who's on your team? Like, who are your coaches? Like, are you around uh, other people who are, are positive and like-minded who are going to support you? Like, like this is, this is the environment of excellence. Like you have to have this in place. And then there's, there's the plan for follow through. Like, do you have that plan to follow through? Like, what if, what if, you know, uh, another global pandemic happens? What if, you know, that, that curveball comes, like, are you going to follow through? Like, do you have that plan, a systematic plan to help you, you know, chip away at this goal of, of whatever, in this instance, quitting mm-hmm. your job and maybe having to deal with failure? Because listen, you know, I, I did quit my job. I, I, I quit my job. I quit. A, I had a six-figure job, dream job. I was flying on private jets with Tony Bennett, the, the head basketball coach, national championship basketball coach, you know, NCAA coach of the year. Like, like cool stuff, man. I'm on the sidelines at Miami Hard Rock Stadium football games down on the field watching football, college football games down from the like cool stuff. I went to the NCAA Final Four. I get to go to the national wrestling championships every year. All expenses paid. That was my job. I had the mm-hmm. best job ever. But like. I knew that this was my real calling was my mission. And how did I know that? 
because I did the work, I identified my core values. I, I created goals that aligned with those. I, I developed my environment of excellence. I created a plan for follow through and I had built this business over the course of years. And I had, shoot, I'll be honest, Dave, I had, my goal was to, to quit my job by the time I turned 40. I failed. 41 came. I failed again. 42 came, failed again. I quit my job by the time I turned 43, but it took me years. You know, there was failure. There were failures. There were setbacks. It's, that's the process. And then I, I quit my job and I jump into this business and, and I, I stepped into it. I built a, a sort of low risk way to, to step into this business and things were going great. And then I hit, I hit a pothole for a while and revenue dipped for a while. And then, and then it's taken off again. Like this, this is the process. And, and when you, when you do this work, it gives you confidence that you're, you're on the path. I mean, my program, this coaching program is called reveal your path. Like when you have that confidence in, in your plan you have that clarity, you can, you can be incredibly resilient and deal with failure. Do you guys as coaches ever, you're going to laugh at me for asking this. Somebody comes to you, they have a job, things are going okay. They know it could be better. They want to pursue like you did what you're passionate about and what your calling was. Do you ever have to tell them it's a bad idea? Like, does somebody ever come to you with something crazy? And then you have to actually say like, Hey, let's take a step back and tone them down. Because just listening to you right now, I'm fired up. <laughs> I don't know if you always have this. I actually, I know you do, but the, uh, the listeners don't, but it's like, if it seems like you'd never say no, it's like, just, yeah, you're right. The gurus just go for it. Just go for it. Do you guys ever say no, don't go for it. It's not my place to say yes or no. What I help them do is uncover the truth because I can sit here based on my life and my world and my experiences and say, great idea or terrible idea, but that's not my place. My place is to help you figure out if this is the right decision for you. And this is the right path for you because everybody's path is different. I mean, I coach, like I said, I coach all these amazing people in these different walks of life. I mean, from professional athletes to, you know, doctors and attorneys and, and, you know, educational leaders and entrepreneurs and everything in between. Like my job is not to say, Hey, you know, that's, that's a good idea to do that with your, your business or your life or your personal, like if I haven't been in their shoes, right. Or if I'm not in their shoes currently. And so my, 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 my aim is always to help them uncover the truth about them. And it's, you know, you go back to these, these, this, like this compass, I call it the, you know, assess is identifying, okay, what is like my miracle life? Like my miracle life, if I could paint that, you know, magic wand, I could create that miracle life. Like this is part of that, that first exercise that we do. We go back to that often and go, okay, how does this decision, this thing that you want to do, or this idea that you have, how does it align here with this miracle life? Does it fit? Does it not fit? Is there alignment? perfect alignment or is it 50% alignment? Like let's, let's explore this, right? Um, there are several other sort of questions through that exercise that we answer that, that we use as a compass, as a litmus test to see, is this the right idea or is this a bad idea? And then we go to the aligned goals and then we go to the environment of excellence. So we go through this process and, and, and check this idea with who you are at the deepest level. And, and that's that, that if, if there's any other co coaches out there, doing it other than in a, in a different fashion than that, then, you know, you're, you're at risk of getting bad advice because you're basing that advice on, on somebody else's life, somebody else's experiences. And, and they don't, they don't, they're not in your world, but you are, and you have the power. Once you have somebody outside of you asking you the hard questions that are good, going to help you find that clarity you're looking for. And if I could go on for another second, Dave, sorry to keep, oh, no, no, keep, keep going, running on on these answers here. Like 
I've interviewed amazing people. I mean, gosh, like Ken Blanchard, Tim Ferriss, Cal Newport. I mean, just, just people who are, are, have made a dent in the universe um, and on and on, right. In different, different areas, different fields. And I often ask them, what is one habit that you have that you, you feel like really, you can really point to as the reason for your success. Right. And for, for the New York times bestselling author, it's never the writing for the Olympic gold medalist. It's never the training. Like you always think it would be that the thing that they do. Right. But it's never, it's never that it's always some version of stepping back and things like working with a coach or journaling or meditation or working with a mentor or being part of a mastermind group or, you know, planning my week in advance. Right. Um, it's always some version of a pause, like getting off of the treadmill of life, like, like stepping back, evaluating, asking hard questions and then implementing and then doing, it's never doing the thing. And so I've, I've coined the term productive pause. And this is the definition. The definition of a productive pause is this. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. You gain this confidence and this focus and this, this ability to, to be productive and, and, and this, this ability to, to stay on your long term. It's, it, it's, it is the, if there's such a thing as the secret to success, it is the productive pause. I love it. I was actually going to ask you one piece of unsolicited advice, but you just nailed it. The productive pause. So, um, <laughs> I've, we'll, we'll get moving here. Um, you, I have, I have another question just for like the, again, the financial part of it. And I'll preface it with this. Yeah. So in, in financial planning, I know that sometimes people are hesitant. I want to say afraid. I'll say hesitant to meet and talk about finances with an advisor or anybody really out of fear of being judged. Right. I don't, and it's the same for coaching. They, they don't want to be judged, but I can say all day long that I've heard it all, but it's almost sounds self-serving and like it's different coming from someone outside of our business where you don't give advice or you don't give actual financial planning. I always want people to feel 100% comfortable and confident when they reach out to any advisor and never feel like there's judgment. But with that said, because you have a wealth part and you're dealing with some very high-end clients and other clients, I am sure you've worked with folks that have some interesting goals, right? So what are some like common wealth goals that you hear? Now you're not an advisor. And I want, <laughs> um, what do you hear from clients? Or then just for fun, if you can, what are one or two of the biggest, we'll call them, you call them BHAGs, right? Um, yeah. Or the craziest goals that you've heard. So maybe a couple of common goals and then maybe just a crazy goal for people out there. Because what we find is that people don't share their financial goals with each other. I don't go out for a chicken wings with my buddy and say, Hey guys, I increased my account from 1000 to $1,500 right. a month in my savings. We don't talk about that. Maybe, maybe some people do, but we don't. So it's not a right. thing that's out there. So I think people are nervous. So what are you hearing? Common goals and one crazy BHAG maybe. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, so many people think they should be able to do it on their own. Like, yeah, maybe you could, but why not, why not work with an expert? Why not work with somebody who like, this is what they do for a living. So you can go do your, your best thing for a living. Right. And and, you know, you shouldn't, don't feel like you have to do this on your own. Like work with a financial advisor. I mean, Tom Brady, the goat, I hate to say it. I'm a Steelers fan. That's he's horrible. the goat. Jim, and, this is a Buffalo Bills podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm so sorry. We may so delete sorry. this. So, I don't know. Yeah, can we edit that part out of there. <laughs> but you see the, I mean, world-class performers have coaches. Like they have, like, why should, why shouldn't we, 
Like, why shouldn't we have people who are like really educated and skilled in these other areas that can help us, right? Um, but the BHAGs, like the people, what are some common goals? I mean, I have so, several folks who have just sort of specific retirement goals, you know, $5 million, $10 million uh, uh, in total assets upon retirement. Um, but I have this one guy and, and this is, this guy is, he's absolutely incredible. Like if you heard his life story, it's like, like he, he's not supposed to be the success where he's at right now because of, you know, all, you know, the things that he had or didn't have growing up as a kid that most people have, man, he is crushing it. And what it, here's his, his BHAG to own, uh, own a house on an Island off the coast and, uh, have a boat. And he would take his boat into work every morning to his commercial building, his commercial buildings right on the coast and his office is in there. And he has a, you know, this is a, it's in real estate investing and uh, have a, and real estate investment empire. And it kind of goes on and goes into some yeah. detail there, but like, like that's clear and that's freaking exciting, mm -hmm. right? Create that exciting goal. And man, like, again, going back to this conversation I just had yesterday with Devin Harris, the Jamaican bobsled guy, he's like, so many people are afraid to dream. I mean, this guy came from the slums of Kingston, Jamaica, called Olympic Gardens is the name of the town. He's like, it's not where the Olympians are grown. He's like, man, it's like the slum, you know? Mm -hmm. He had, he dared to dream. Like, are you, as the, as the, as the listener, like, are you willing to dream? Are you willing to identify that BHAG and then sit down and talk to somebody about it and say, hey, how do we get there? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I that's the process. I love it. And, and you know, you know, the two reasons, Jim, that people don't meet with someone it's, it's how much does it cost and how much time do I have to put in? And, and that's, that's handled right. in a first meeting with any advice should be, by the way, if it's not, sure. then go down to the next one. Um, yep. But again, I was going to ask you about unsolicited advice, but I think you nailed that. I think we're at our time limit, Jim, this was awesome. We more than appreciate your time. My last question is, this is an easy one. We don't have to go on for this one. How can our listeners get more information about you or look further into what you do? Yeah, you can just Google my name, Jim Harshaw, H-A-R-S-H-A-W, jimharshawjr.com. Uh, if you go to jimharshawjr.com slash apply, you can sign up for a, a free one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me. Um, the other place is the podcast. The podcast is Success Through Failure. You can find it on you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, every other podcast outlet. You can even tell your smart speaker to play the Success Through Failure podcast and you'll hear my voice for better or for worse booming through your smart speaker. <laughs> if you have not checked out the podcast and Jim did not pay me to say this, you have to check it out. It's awesome. It'll get you fired up every day on the way to work, on your way home, wherever you need it. Um, but Jim, thanks again. Have a great day and we'll catch up soon. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary.
Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.